Dedra pushes forward with her investigation. Cassian plans his escape. Karn gets promoted and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap episode 9 of Andor. We are back here on the Sky Guys podcast. We're having episode nine of Andor. I hope that people are actually listening because the title episode is Nobody's Listening. With us today, as always, I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Joining me, as always, the man's voice here in narration every single week, Pete Costori. How are you? Sorry, wasn't listening. Um, hey, uh, <laughs> little little dad joke there yeah. for you to start. Yeah, glad to be back here talking Star Wars episode nine. We got three more after this. Yep. Three more after this, boys. We're almost there. The home stretch. Um, always excited to talk Star Wars with you guys. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah. Yep. Three quarters of the way through, Pete. This is already longer than any Mandalorian we're, season. We're 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 almost there. We are. I mean, I think I talked about this last week. It, it seems like we've been talking about this forever because the other Star Wars shows that we talk about are only uh, max what eight weeks. So yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think only that was a month, basically with the with the yeah. shortcuts. Yeah. Also with us today, as always, the uh, we're gonna call we're gonna call him the uh, prison supervisor here. Nick Fred is here. Nick, how are you? Uh, doing well. <clears throat> Can't believe we've done through nine. I know. I know Pete's right. It seems like a while, but at the same time, because there were three right away, it doesn't seem like nine. Yeah, it feels, yeah. It feels but, like we're in the in the we feel like we're in the middle of this thing. We're already in the home stretch. Yeah. So, uh, as you said, the episode's called "Nobody's Listening." Fitting title and. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it here. Also with us today, we have a guest here with us. Coming to us live from the Bureau of Standards, Kevin Lewis here. Kevin, how are you? Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm doing well. And it's, I'm honored to be on the first Sky Guys, uh, my first call up. And I'm kind of nervous right now. And nothing to worry about here. People of the MP, back in the Just and the Suffering days, we're doing Mando Season 2 coverage. Kevin was on. We were talking for Ahsoka's episode. That's the one he was on. There you go. So you have you have the reps, Kevin. Another uh, I this is not this is not anything new. You're just gonna hear my hot take and and Nick give us all the information under the sun when it comes to Star Wars and uh you know and Mike's gonna come with the amazing trackers and the amazing news as well. So it's uh it's a fun time. You'll be fine. Well, if it's anything like his just end the suffering podcast, you know I'm nothing to worry about. Exactly. There you go. All right, and as we mentioned here, Pete, people want to subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, all the usual suspects. This podcast is out on the Sky Guys feed the day after we record. So, again, this is, you know, on Thursday, on Wednesday we record. Thursday's going to be in this feed. It's not going to be in the Justin Suffering until the weekend. So, if you want this instant access, get on that feed. Yeah, if you're new here, please uh, subscribe, right? You're going to get that that instant access or pretty instant. It's going to be the next day. If you're not new here and you're not subscribed yet, I mean, we say it every week, what are you doing? Right. Subscribe. It just makes it easier on yourself. You get everything uh, right then and there. You get some episodes that probably won't make the just and the suffering feed at some point during the sky guys uh, podcasts here. So definitely join the feed, definitely subscribe and definitely follow all of us on social media at the end of the show. And we give our handles. Absolutely here. And uh, Nick, people want to follow the Instagram. How can they do that? <laughs> Sorry, at Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram. Um, we've been posting a lot of the clips of these episodes, so you can get little snips of it. And then, of course, the link to these episodes will be there. But 
I'll try to get some memes going up soon. Been very, very busy with work. Haven't been able to do that so far. Yeah, well, they'll be coming in here. I'm sure we got some more of this we can definitely do here. And Kevin, you can also watch the YouTube version. Mike Phillips on YouTube for all the fun graphics and our props here. And since we're having so much trouble on our character drivers here, maybe we should just count the Ahsoka of Brickhead as being on the being on the board. Oh. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, it's um, <laughs> Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters yeah. uh, in the in the show. So, in 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 everything that she's in, excuse me. Yeah, that's for sure. Here, let's get to our Star Wars news here. And Nick, we have a lot of fun stuff here. I do want to take one off the top here because I don't. I'll share the link this in the YouTube's in the uh, audio description here. I mean, last week Entertainment Weekly released a interview they did with uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni from D23. Talk about a bunch of things. Got interesting nuggets in there. I want your take on these. Obviously. Uh, Filoni basically described Ahsoka as a samurai show, so that's going to be an interesting take, in my opinion. And Favreau said basically that they are shooting a lot of these shows simultaneously. So uh, Mando is doing post production on they have they were shooting uh, the John Watts sh- the uh, Jude Law show and Skeleton Crew and Ahsoka basically on simultaneous sound stages. And Favreau says a lot of these characters are overlapping the next season of Mando season four. So I think about all that. That sounds interesting. I should, I should watch the interview. Um, full disclosure, I was supposed to and comment <laughs> on the news, and I forgot to. So that's why Mike's telling you. Yeah. So that's... But that sounds, sounds interesting. Yeah, I wrote the record, man. It's about five minutes, not too long. And what else you got in this news department here? Uh, we got a lot of Mando Season 3 rumors coming up. Um, the premiere date, rumored, is, I believe, February 22nd. Which is a Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. And I would imagine it's going to be eight episodes similar to what it has been, which would mean it would end April 12th. So that's a little early spring show, I guess. Late winter, early spring it would be. And uh, yeah, those are some rumors we have. I think there was another rumor that we were going to get a trailer on Christmas Day. Is that it? Yeah, that's a fun rumor. Kevin, that'd be a fun Christmas present. We get the Mando, final Mando trail on Christmas. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm so obsessed with this show with Andor right now that the Mandalorian or anything else to me is just not is. I'll just. I'm not going to get my hopes up. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you're I'm just. I'm so. De- I'm so invested in Andor right now. It's not like anything else I've ever seen in Star Wars. You're living in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And P, I'm also, also saying anything about the scheduling angle here. They do the 22nd date is true. We know that Bad Batch is starting on January 4th, the two episode premiere, and they're gonna basically, if we assume it was 16, it was all in a row. Episode eight of Bad Batch is airing the, the 15th, so the week before this happens. Do you think we could get the split world here where we cut Bad Batch's second first se- second season in half, do Mando, and then go back to it later? There's no way Disney or Star Wars thinks Bad Batch second half of the season is going to get the the watches or the views that Mandalorian season three is going to get. I I think it would be smart to delay Bad Batch even more, honestly. I mean, at this point, we've waited this long. Might as well wait another few months, maybe after Ahsoka. Um, because Ahsoka's coming out in 2023, correct? Am I, yeah, I'm, correct? Ass- I'm assuming that like, it's going to be probably towards the summer-ish area over there. Sure. So even if it's between Mando and Ahsoka or after Ahsoka, I I just I don't want to say that people aren't invested in Bad Batch, but I don't think anyone's like, holy crap, cannot wait for Bad Batch season two. Right. I think it's more like Mandalorian Ahsoka. Um, So I 
If they don't, they're probably not going to see great numbers for the for the ending of of uh, Clone Wars, a bad batch. It also could play into their favor of okay, we're only dropping one episode a week, so you're already on Disney to watch Mandalorian, watch Bad Batch. It might work into their favor in that way as well. So I could be completely wrong. Um, but for me, I'm going to watch it, but my main focus is going to be a Mandalorian. So it, it'll be interesting to see how well they do. And if, if it gets renewed for a season three, if they don't do well because of that conflicting show. Yeah, Nick, I think last, like, unless you have anything else in the news, I think one my point on this, I think to my point here, I think they have a great opportunity here. I'll get, I'll go, you have two more things on the news, but I will say in terms of this thing, number one, like we had, I think like cutting it and have having a great midseason cliffhanger would be a great way to just bring it back. Sort of thread as you have like Star Wars throughout the year, and you know like you could potentially have like you know twenty four weeks in a row of new Star Wars episodes. Would be pretty dope, and I think that was the fun strategy if they actually want to try it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. We'll see what they do. Maybe they'll just do two a week. Maybe they'll split it. Maybe they'll run it together. I don't know why they would, but we'll see. All right. Uh, two more things in the news, both very very quick. First is the Acolyte had started shooting. So that's good. We're yes, on the way. And lastly is Luke, Han, and Leia have been announced and released, actually, in the Fortnite Battle Royale video game. So if you play Fortnite, you could pick up Han, Luke, and Leia. And I think there's, like, some Star Wars stuff going on in the game, too, with, like, lightsabers and stuff. So maybe some future Star Wars Fortnite thing. Or maybe this is it. I don't know. But if you play the game and you like Star Wars, they're there. Pete, well, this is something you will be doing, checking out the, the Luke, Han, and Leia appearance in Fortnite. Nope. I'll be on Call of Duty, uh, the the more adult version, <laughs> if you will. Uh, I will not be picking up those skins. My friend Angelo will definitely be out there getting those skins, even if he has to purchase them. Yeah. That's the you do need to purchase them. They're... Uh... <sighs> I want to say like 15 bucks for Luke and then Han and Leia come together for 15 bucks. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. That's how they make their money. But yeah. all right, that's it for the news. That's it for the news. Let's get to the episode here. I do think like this is a very fun episode overall, Pete, because I feel like we had like a very sort of, we tightened it out a bit. We did not see Luthen for the first time all season. We left his storyline out of this. We got four storylines here. Karns again was bringing up the rear in terms of like interest level for me, but I thought the other three were all excellent. Yeah, I agree. I uh, really like this episode a lot. I have been saying since a couple episodes ago, this show has been trending upward for me. Um, and um, I would say everything but the Karn <laughs> that is, is probably is really, really good. And it's it's a lot of world building that's not boring, right? I think in earlier episodes, there was some world building that was boring. I think the build up to the Aldani raid or Aldani mission, if you will, was a little bit boring. Um, but this seems like it's more intense. There's there's a lot more at stake here. So we'll definitely dive into it more. But I, I agree with you. Everything but Karn has been pretty good. Everything but Karn. Let's get into the episode here. We'll start out here because we spend a long time at the beginning here with Dedra and Bix doing this interrogation. And we bring in our, our new Imperial torturer, Dr. Gauss, I think his name is. And that he basically says to... Yeah, she basically goes this long speech about like talking about how like she goes through interrogation methods and how she tells this whole story and so on and so forth. And Kevin, what did you think of this interaction here with Dedra and Bix? I thought this is really doing a good job establishing Dedra as the as a villain bona fides. I on I think this she is probably one of the darkest characters and probably one of the most ruthless characters in Star Wars. 
like a lot of villains in Star Wars have this very theatrical kind of you know presence among about her, about them whereas Dedra is the the government you know uh secret police person that you never see about in any of the other movies or any of the other shows and to see how ruthless she is to employ a doctor this doctor in quotes to torture Bix the sounds of mass massacred children screaming. It's a very, very dark area that star Wars has gone into. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's kind of say you love it, the scene, but it's, I love it that it's, it's different. It's not a star Wars that I'm used to. I'm used to like the floating droid with the syringe, like in the, in, <laughs> in a new hope, or I'm used to like uh, Kylo Ren, you know, digging, doing, you know, digging through someone's mind, you know, this is actual visceral, screaming <laughs> yeah. yeah and we have friends kevin who would love this kind of stuff oh yeah i i could think of one in particular <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll we'll save him from this podcast and Pete, yeah i did like the visual work they did here where like they i mean first of all this is dark as shit that basically the torture method is like you're going we're gonna force you to listen to like a like a species essentially being genocided on our watch and you're gonna have to sit there and listen to it this is very effective like work by the director you're like uh, I I can definitely picture like this is Book of Boba Fett. We have just heard the screaming. We have like destroyed our ears. But like this show was smarter than this. So, you know, we're going to show you Bix's face and her reacting in horror. I thought this was a much better yeah. choice. Yeah, I think this was this was fantastic. Um, obviously, what was happening was not fantastic to Bix, but I I uh, I'd say the Doctor was lovely. Very nice guy, as far as I can tell, right? I mean, like, obviously what he's doing is the wrong thing, but he's probably just like, hey, I'm doing my job. You're the enemy, so I'm just going to have a conversation with you. Um, and, and, and you know, Kevin was saying this, and I think he, he hit the nail on the head. It's it's something that we haven't seen in Star Wars, and, and most of the show, and Nick, is, uh, you know, Nick, me and you have talked about this at probably nauseum, that this is not something we've heard from or seen from Star Wars in a very long time or even ever. Um, so it's definitely refreshing in the sense that we're getting something new, and and it's – it's a smart decision. It's not something stupid. We're like, okay, really? That's that's what we're going to do to torture the person or whatever. So, um, I think I, th I think it was phenomenal. It was here, and Nick. We also find out throughout the scene that the other guy who she worked with, I think his pod, his name is basically, is that like he cracked under this torture. He gave away all the information about how Bix is operating the radio tower. She's been met with, with uh, Axis six times. They still know Luton's identity, and we find out afterwards that when they're leaving her to be tortured, that like. Like the underlings, like I want to hang Pod from the streets. It's sort of a symbol that she's like, "Cool, you do that." So again, I'm like this is a very disturbed woman at this point. Yes, uh, they they did a good job with Deidre setting her up for this because so she's not the most hated character in this show, even though she's doing this, which we just commented all of us that it's the darkest thing we've ever seen in Star Wars, and that's because they used her in the, in previous episodes in the ISB stuff going against people that were more insufferable than her. So you're actually rooting for her all the time until now. She's in the first situation where she's the heel yep. if you're a wrestling fan. She's the heel for the first time now in a in a scenario so that you can, she can get away with this. You put Karn in the situation, there's going to be stuff on the internet to have him killed. <laughs> have the character killed off. You're not get you're not seeing that here. And I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, the little—I don't even know what you call it. His name was Bogullet, the little the, the the squid thing from Rogue One. Oh, from yeah. Rogue One, yeah. I don't know what what that is. I guess squid. I don't know, but yeah. Um, 
it kind of reminds me of that because it's like really using because it said it uses disturbing disturbing images to read one's mind and this is kind of like disturbing audio i guess yeah but similar and uh i guess uh i guess it worked right yep and P, I do. I, I get the visual on my mind of friendly neighborhood torturer Dr. Gauss because, like, he seems very jolly about doing his job. Oh, yeah. Nice guy, stand up guy, probably has a wife and kids, just trying to get a paycheck, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I, I actually really enjoy that the director went and the writers went in this direction for this guy because you get the sinister feeling from Dedra, and he's just like, ah, it's, it's like, all right, we'll just throw it on you. You know, people usually start talking, but like, you let me know when you want to cooperate, you know, you want to, want a coffee, whatever you want. You know, it's like, it's very like, almost like he's accommodating when he's not. Yeah. Um, I think it was a smart direction to go with the character. Yeah. Kevin, what do you think about this guy? Also, Dr. Gauss. I do think it's funny with him because like, he does seem like the guy he points out, like you could say, Oh, I'll go, I can go have a beer with this guy. He seems like pretty cool. In the meantime, he's doing some really like effed up shit on the behind the scenes for his job. Do you know what? Like I was thinking he would make a really good, if he had a German accent, it would be really good. But the fact that he had a very clean, kind of clean cut way of talking and his mannerisms were incredibly matter of fact and oh you know don't worry about it you know this kind of carrying on i found that a lot creepier than as if he was you know to be a a german or something with someone with a german accent you know that that world war ii kind of um uh like evil evil ss officer type type deal because it's kind of like what they're mimicking it on is this they're trying to find the darkest parts of you know examples that we know and you know guys in black uniforms and jackboots and you know that they're they're pulling that they're pulling all those memories and ideas that you have of 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 evil within within human history and and then placing it in this one character but making him seem like your physician like it's very it's very well written yeah, P. Before we move on from further in the ISB stuff, do you have you ever seen? You see the pros of the movie Smile of the last like month or so. You mean the people at the baseball game? Yes. Okay, could you picture this guy being one of the people promoting the movie? He's probably the guy who wrote the movie. <laughs> I, I, I sure. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's like on the surface. If you had a talk with him, I mean, like you said, go grab a beer. I'm sure if on the surface this character was talking in a non-work setting, you probably wouldn't even know anything creepy was going on so i just it's uh yeah maybe he's making other movies maybe this characters are right in the movie smile yeah yeah maybe he is in it but nick let's go on to a little bit further the isb plot we find also that the isb has captured some sort of rebel pilot on the outer sector and then dr gals went and talked to him and then we found out he got more information out of him he basically confirmed that he used some of the stolen gadgets that bix sold him and they have this meeting at the end of the episode where Partagrass is there along with Dedra and a couple of the other representatives. And they come, they're all debating, like, how do we use this to try and get more information out of the rebel cell? And then they're talking about, like, we can't do this, we can't do that. And Dedra's the idea. It's like, we'll stage an accident and, like, we'll kill the pilot and we will, you know, put him in the ship and make it look like it's an accident and engine malfunction. And then they'll go pick him up and then we'll track them that way. So, again, very disturbing stuff from Dedra, but she does very effective in terms of trying to figure out how to get her job done. <laughs> We're getting a lot of disturbing things from the Empire, and we haven't even gotten to the half of it yet. This episode, yeah, they have really shown because more so in the beginning of the show, they didn't really show what was so bad about them. They just looked cocky and greedy, and that's about it. And now you're starting to really see. Pretty much ever since the Aldani heist, you're really starting to see they're ruthless and they'll do anything to 
keep what they're got, keep what they got going going. Put it put it out put it that way. So doing they're acting exactly like Luther predicted they would. Yeah, and they're and they're starting to look like the Empire that we know from um, Star Wars. Yeah, like from other stuff. Yeah, none of this goofiness of leaving the shield door open on Obi Wan. Yeah, I mean they are look the, the movies and like some of the other shows they like to show the Empire not at this time, which we've discussed in length yeah. on, before on this podcast that it's not that this is the first time we've seen this time and in previous times the Empire is greedy because they've already gotten there and they don't expect anything. And they're all just, you know, they have stormtroopers who can't shoot. And the reason why is because they don't have to hire stormtroopers who can shoot because no one would dare to cross them. Yeah. But you're at a time now where it's like, they needed to earn that reputation. Yeah. And this is why they have that reputation. We're seeing it right now. We are right now. I think that's a, pretty much everything we got in the ISB storyline here. I think we should save Cassian for last because I think his storyline is the most impactful for the rest of the show. So let's go to, you know, we'll, we'll get Karn out of the way here because Karn is in two scenes really. And like, this is really, I think superfluous the plot against us sort of keeping him relevant in some ways. But Kevin, we haven't talked to you yet. What do you think of Karn? I really, I'm, I have a hard time liking generally a person like him and more so the character like him. He's just so hard to to like and root for. But I have a feeling, and I, I have a feeling at some point, either maybe in the last episode or the second to last episode, he might turn or, I don't know. I, I'm going to hold out all the reservations against him. I'm just not crazy about this guy. He's not crazy about you. You know he's important. He keeps shoving him in our face. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's go to Nick here because obviously I think I think you're probably the biggest fan of this panel of Karn's mother. So we got him back. Now she's snooping around his room to see what's going on here with uh, his job. We found out he got a promotion for helping the Empire. So I guess Karn did something right. I'm getting a little curious now because at first it was just like, oh, they're just sending him home to live with his mother. He's going to regain his confidence. And he's going to go back out there and he's going to either join the rebellion or double down and you know be an ISB officer, whatever you know. And and now it's like getting weird. Like I don't know what's happening now. It, you know, my guess is it's just it's not going to happen until season two. Whatever happens with him, and that's why it's weird because the story we thought we lose sight of this a lot. I mentioned this I think two weeks ago. Twelve episodes long. The storylines do not have to conclude in twelve episodes because there is another season already confirmed. This could be a 24-episode arc with Karn, not a 12. Which means we're not even halfway done with his story yet. So we will see what happens there. But it's getting weird. It's getting a little weird. And I, 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 I don't know. Did you want to hold off on talking about his little meeting outside the ISB building yet? We'll get to it in a second. As long as you get your thought okay. on like the scene with his mother first. Anything you want to add to that, that? I mean, I guess his mother is rooting for him, but she's doing it in a weird way. I don't know. I mean, she makes a good point. She was like... I make you two meals a day. You have a place to live and you're criticizing me. Yeah. I get it. I mean, but then again, he, she was invading his personal space. So I see his point too. So I don't know. Yeah. And Pete, like anything else I want to add with the mother before we go on to uh, his, his uh, stalking incident. Most annoying. Let's just, I'm just <laughs> that there. most annoying. And I also think that Karn is a baby. When he said, and I'm sure the writers of this on purpose, when he said, you you went through my private box, I lost it. <laughs> I laughed so hard because it's like, this is a full-grown man. You went through my private box. Okay, go go cry about it. Like, it, 
what, what exactly is like the big deal? Now, granted, maybe there's something in that private box that will be cool for us to see. But like, like this, this guy, I didn't think he'd get any lower. This guy has gotten, I mean, and then we'll talk about the other incident that's even just makes him more batshit crazy. But I, he is just, I hate him. <laughs> I, I think we're supposed him. to hate him, clearly. Oh, I really, like, I started feeling bad for him and like for like a hot second. Now I just hate him. And not for nothing, too. I mean, like, do we know if his mother is charging him rent to live at home again? So, like, she could, like, you know, like, be getting him there for free. Gives a shit. He's just being an idiot. Like, I, it's just, it's getting to a point where you have this grown man who got, you know, fired from his job, which sucks. And that's why I felt bad. I'm like, okay, maybe he needs to get back on his feet. He's only known this. And, you know, but now he's just like, ah, oh, it's just get, go away. I don't want to see if he's here for 24 episodes or whatever it is. I'm going to be so mad. Not because he's a bad character. But it, well, not because he's an evil character. I'm like, I hate him for what he does to other people. I just, I hate his face. I just hate seeing his face on screen. He needs to go away. Kevin. Yeah, just- it, it, uh, real quick. I agree. Like I've been his biggest defendant and that's not saying much because I've only defended him once, but <laughs> he, I was thinking that, when he got fired, it was going to be a quick turnaround. And it was like, okay, we're meant to hate this character in the beginning, but he's going to grow on us. And it's like, all right, it's episode nine now. And I think he's getting worse. Oh, he is. But I mean, I'm going to just, spoiler alert, I, I can't give him the LVP. It's not, it's, it, 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 to me, it ruins the, the ranking when we, when we get there, when it's minus two, minus four, Karn, minus 35. It's not fun <laughs> that way. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's he's minus eight right now. I think he might drop a little lower this week. I got a feeling. Oh, boy. Yeah, and Kevin, we get to see him again, his second scene. We get to hear him a bit. Well, he's just, you know, been casually hanging out at ISB outside the building a few weeks. He waits for Dedra to show up here, and then he has a very weird conversation. Where he's like, I want to thank you for my promotion. She's like, oh, I, like, you know, like, I put a good word for the, like, like, I didn't do anything. Like, you know, use Healthy Empire. He's like, I heard, I heard otherwise, and he basically is like, being really creepy around her. He's like basically like saying like, Oh, like I would, like I admire you. He's like, like, like grabbing her while she's there. Like, and she correctly points out like this dude is a little unhinged. Like this scene was very, very off. Yeah. I mean, it says something that she's creeped out by him considering that she's running torture sessions around several different (laughs) systems. So like for her to be creeped out, you wonder maybe she could employ him to perform some kind of interrogations just by creeping out other like rebels to get them to to divulge information. I I can't I just I can't stand being around people like him. So and I've been around people like him. Yeah. Well, so like, am, am I missing something? Because as the conversation went on, absolutely I agree with her. But at the beginning, when he just thanked her for getting for doing a part in his promotion, what? Why was that so creepy to her? Because, I mean, he really was like, you saw he's kind of, you know, like, standing there, you know, like, not even, like, he's not even pretending to talk to somebody. He's just standing there. As soon as you see her, he pops out. It's like, that's, like, very, like, the way he. I can see her being a little startled. I, as the conversation went on, I definitely see why she was creeped out. But I feel like she was prematurely creeped out by him be actually being nice at the beginning of that conversation. Well, if you think about it, she took him in for an interrogation for questioning. And if you take someone in for questioning, I would say 99.99% of the time, you're not going back to thank them. She's probably like, why is this guy back? What does he want? Is he dangerous? You know what I'm saying? So like, maybe that's why, I don't know. 
He also says that he sometimes walks by the office and stands outside to see if she sees her. And he admitted that 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 to her. That was later on. And that I understand. That's when I would have got creeped out, too. But initially, Mm -hmm. he was like, I just wanted to thank you because what you did led to me getting promoted. And she's like, that's weird. Like that to me, it was like, okay, yeah, you're welcome. And then I'd walk away. Yeah. And then that's what he grabs her on, though, keeps her in the conversation. Also, that also makes it worse. Yeah, no, it definitely gets worse. I'm just saying the initial part, I wouldn't. I think she was prematurely creeped out. And also, P, I mean, if that's all, if that's the lead in, like, that could be done via email. It doesn't need to be like, I'm stalking your office to find you in person to thank you for the job. The dude is whacked. <laughs> like, I, it, he, he just, he's out of his mind. He is obsessive. He's obsessing over Andor. And now that, this might be true, and I, I kind of stumbled upon this. Now that he's obsessing with Andor and there's someone else trying to get Andor, he's now obsessing with them. He's obsessing over them. So this character now is like, well, this is the next step to get Andor because they want to get Andor. So let me get close. Don't leave. I need you. You need me. I need you. Thank you so much. You know, he probably tried to put on the, the, uh, the, the nice face and go, Hey, thanks so much for promoting me. Maybe like a little networking. And then he saw it wasn't working and he started getting really creepy. He looked like he hasn't slept in days. It looks like he's probably on something, right? I mean, it's just, maybe there's a little something more in that blue milk in the morning. I don't know. Uh, I think he's obsessing over Andor, and because this one cat trying to find Andor, he's obsessing over her now. Yeah, Kevin, were there any sort of like, like I, I don't know if I'm the only one who saw this. Like, were they sort of you pick up any sort of like weird like romantic overtone, where he sort of like he like, has like a weird uh, like, admiration of her in that sense, like oh, like she gets me or something like that. I I saw two things. I saw like he saw himself in her like an earlier version of him that we saw in the beginning of Andor where he was this clean cut kind of corporal security guy. And now, but then I also got some Jeffrey Dahmer vibes with his eyes, just like staring into her. I don't know, not so much in a romantic way, but more so like, like an obsession. That's what creeped me out about the scene before anything was that his eyes were staring through her almost like, like they're like literally going through her. It, it's he, he pulled that off. Like the actor himself pulled that off. Great. Like he's, he's pulled off the character really well. It's just, it's really hard character to like. Yeah. I, guess I, I, I actually took it romantic. That's what I said. Huh. I, I think that he, um, when you see his past, we don't know all of his past. We just know in this show, he doesn't get along with his co. What's the original job he had? What was it? The, Pre- the guardian. He was, he worked yeah, for the, the Nova Corp security. Yeah. yeah. He worked for the, the star Wars Nova Corps. Yep. All his coworkers hated him. His boss hated him. Everyone hated him. His mother doesn't seem to like she's weird. I don't know. If she loves him. She probably loves him, but she's weird. He's never seen anyone show him any sort of like interest. And I think he mistakenly takes the interrogation as interest in him. He has no idea how to process it. Because he has never some even even though they're interrogating him, they're asking him questions, which sounds like they're interested in him. In reality, it's like you go on an interview. They're not asking you questions because they really like love you and want to get to know you. They just want to know, are you good for the job? Yeah. Oh, you go to a doctor's office and they're asking, that's a better example. And they're asking you all these questions. The guy doesn't want to get to know you. He has to know this stuff because he needs to know this stuff. And he's taking it the wrong way. Like, yeah, she really wants to get to know me. She must really like me because he's never had that before. Yeah, it's almost like at peace. It's almost like if he went to the doctor's office and the nurse was showing him attention, he would think, oh, the nurse is into me, basically. 
who knows? Maybe he had an ex that looks like Dedra. Maybe they have passed. Maybe there's some love triangle things going on. This is Star Wars. Let's get wild, right? Let's just do it. Let's let's call Nicholas Sparks in. Let's get a rom-com going with this as well. This is bullshit, okay? The dude's whacked. He's out of his mind. I agree with Nick, though. There was some romantic tension there. There was, 100%. But the dude's whacked. Yes, and I'm yes. saying that for like the rest of the season and next season, this dude is off his rocker. He's off in no man's land. He is obsessive, and it's going to probably play to his detriment. He may not make it through this season. He may actually die. Yep, he might. I think let's put in him for now here. Let's go on to Mon Mothma here. And, Kevin, it's fun seeing the Senate again where Mon Mothma is, you know, trying to speak out against Imperial Overreach. And it was a very good job to show, like, that no one cares because while she's talking, like, everybody's switching off their pods and leaving and just sort of, like, abandoning her in the middle of her speech. Yeah, I mean, it's that that I thought was a very powerful uh, movement or movement, a very powerful scene showing that the democracy, the so-called democracy that that the that the chancellor, the emperor loved so much is playing into his hands as well as it is. Um, so it it, but I've I have a real I really like this character at times, but sometimes she can annoy me a little bit in her naivety. Um, but I. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's her, her character arc is, it still is a lot to be developed. So, but I, I like her. I think she's a very good actress. I think she's done a very good job so far playing Mon Matha. Yeah. And um, her, uh, her old boyfriend, I don't even know if they actually dated uh, that guy, uh, Tay. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a very good actor too. Yeah. So is literally good actors. I'll put a pin in your yeah. thought on the naivety of Mon Matha here, but Nick, we do find out here very interesting piece of information. Probably more, the biggest takeaway from this episode outside of the prison is that we see she gets in the cab. Her driver's like, oh, your cousin's come to visit. And she's like, oh, okay. Then we go back to her house and we see her daughter hanging out with uh, her cousin, Vel. Did not see that one coming. I did not. I, I was under the impression that we were going to find out that Vel may have been like Luthen's daughter or something. That was the thing that was going on the internet last week. Yeah, which I, I guess it's still possible. It's just very unlikely now. That would be yeah. really weird. That yeah. would mean that Luthen's Mon Mothma's uncle, I guess. But um, good twist and makes sense. You see, two like kind of two different ends of the spectrum there with the rebellion. Not two ends of the spectrum. They're they're they're, they're similar belief wise, but I guess in how they act, if Mon Mothma's more timid, I guess, and and Vel is out there actually robbing garrisons, but. Good. I I think it's I think it's a a good twist that keeps Vel involved in the show. Maybe they ran out of material for her and they needed her more involved, and they did and they did this in, in the in the in the planning of the, of the season. I don't think so though. I think it's just a good way to keep it involved. But I like but what, what I take away from the scene mostly is um, Mon Mothma is going to be forced to work with some people she doesn't want to. And I think this is a step in her, for her in the right direction to start um, doing something about it instead of talking about it. Because you could see in the Senate, not many people are interested in what she has to say. There are some, though. I, I don't know about you guys. Do you guys watch with the subtitles on? I do. I do not. Uh, I do, actually, yeah. So you can see that there were some people saying, let her speak, let her talk. Yeah. There were some. Mm -hmm. Most the, over, the overwhelming majority was not interested. And I noticed that what do you call their little flying saucer things? I don't know. They're pods. Yeah, the pods. Yeah. The pods have lights on them and they yeah. go off sometimes. I think that means they're not interested if the, if the like or they disagree or something like that. And a lot of them were going off in the middle of her statement. 
And that's what I interpret as too. It's sort of like a lot of people look like they were just sort of turning their pods off and going home. Like, okay, mom, we don't recognize right. what you're saying. And and I think this goes back to what I was saying way back, and I think it was episode six. It may have been episode seven. I think it was six though, when they were originally showed the Senate for the first time. And I said there was no one there because of the Aldani heist, and I think that's wrong. I mean, I think that's right. They were they were there, not there because of the Aldani heist, but their interest is not there because they know they really have no power. Yeah. They're literally figureheads. They're like the Emperor of Japan. Yep. That's for sure. And Pete, before I want before I get back to a big point, I do think it was interesting here that like we basically get through this conversation that that Mom Alpha has with Bell throughout like her her appearances in the episode is like sort of like that neither one has an idea what the other one's actually doing here. And I think it's also very interesting to see that they're both connected via Luthen because like Luthen is working with both of them. And like right now that they just, neither one knows that the other was involved with Luthen. That's also very interesting. I think it's very interesting that how this character is played out. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Vel. I feel like there's a, I mean, I think I, I didn't, I don't want to say like her in the past episodes, but wasn't impressed. Um, but I think it was, it was, it's really cool that it's like both these people are working. I mean, who knows? Maybe they do know they're both working for, uh, working with Luthen. Um, but it, it gives us that mystery, right? It gives us the mystery of do, do they really know? Is this something that they're doing separately and they just come together because they're cousins and they know about the rebellion? They want to be part of the rebellion. Um, I'm interested to see how that plays out. But again, this might be another arc that goes into season two. I don't think we're going to get any. What's the word I'm looking for? Closure. Uh, yeah, closure to this, yeah. Yeah, and in terms of the thing, Kevin, am I, am I wrong in saying that, like, 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 Mom Alpha clearly doesn't know that, like, Vel was actually on the Aldani heist? I think there's a lot that Mon Mothma doesn't know, including balancing her own checkbook or, like, how to, you know, take, you know, credits out and now having to, you know, deal with criminal uh, shark loans. <laughs> like, um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, this episode, I'm not crazy. I'm Vel. That was a good twist to have Vel be brought in. Um, but I don't think Mon Mothman knows of, of Vel's involvement on Eldani. All right, Nick, here's the theory I have. I, this is something I brought, I found on when I was doing my Easter egg research for the week. And I do like, think this is interesting here. In terms of the dynamic between Mon Mothma and Vel. This does sort of mirror a little bit of like what was happening on Mandalore and Clone Wars with both with uh, Bo Katan and Duchess Satine, whereas Mon Mothma is a Satine character in this, where she's trying to you know use diplomacy and all of her methods here, and Bo Katan was the like agitator of like oh we have to take action to solve our problems, and I feel like this is the interesting where like in Clone Wars famously Satine dies, and then Bo Katan sort of takes the mantle here. I wonder if you're setting up for the, the sort of the obvious where Vel dies because we know Mon Mothma lives through this series and is like alive well into the uh, sequel into the like, maybe she might be there in the sequel era I'm not sure but I feel like maybe it's something where like Vel ends up dying and then this is where inspires Mon Mothma to go more towards her end of like being more militaristic in action. So I wish I had a long answer to agree or disagree, but the answer is yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> That's really it, but. I, I do think one one thing she said was not um, something's off about something Vel said. She said something about how the rebellion comes first always, right? Yep. And we, we've been taught countless times in Star Wars that is not the case. We've been taught countless times that your friends and your family and what you are fighting for should stay closest to you and what you're fighting against should stay furthest from you. 
or else you start to lose touch on what you're fighting for because you're so close to what you're fighting against. So I think that and long story short is I think she will die because of that exact statement. Yeah. So it makes me agree with what you said even more. Yeah. And go to some other aspects of the scene here. Pete, like we get this little, we get the dinner, another dinner, not a party, it's actual dinner with Mon Mothma, her husband, her daughter, and Vel. And once again, our dude Perrin here, like comes off like another like chauvinistic pig here. This is going on with uh, Vel. I'm like, oh, why aren't you married yet? Like, you should go find a husband. Like, all the good ones are probably gone by now. So just sell for what she can. This dude, like, really is, like, a piece of work. A character who should be hanging out with Karn. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I predict that they're going to have a partnership at some point because they're just two awful characters. And I'm not saying they're awful because they're awful written. They're just terrible people in the show. And I just, I can't stand it anymore. Uh, yeah, he's just so uh, rude. I mean, for lack of a term, it's just rude. And I, I wonder how it's going to play. You know, we only have three more episodes of the season, so I don't think it's going to really play out much um, this season. But I wonder how this is going to play out throughout the show uh, in the seasons to come because he's just, he's a piece of, like you said, a piece of work. He is. And Kevin, I did think it was interesting when Val le- ends up leaving the scene where she ends up like leaving the apartment here. I thought this was a good place to end the Mon Mothma story because you had that great shot of like her, him pulling out of like her from the archway where we sort of see like her sort of like looking away as Vel's leaving, like sort of being like alone, like in like inside this world, not being part of it. I thought that was a fun shot to have it there. I thought it was a good, it would be a good way to end it, but they need to get more later on. Uh, look, every every shot that they've done in the show is very cinemat- uh it's very good. Uh, they 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 pull off every shot really really well in every in nearly every in every episode. It's just it's not filmed like anything else, like the other Star Wars shows that we're used to watching or movies that we're watching. It's it's almost like an a, an adult feel feeling. I mean, you never watched something like The Wire or, or um, I don't know. It just didn't feel like Star Wars. It doesn't feel like I'm watching Star Wars when I see a shot like that. Prestige TV. TV. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and Nick, the last thing we get in this storyline here is that she ends up meeting with Tay Kamala about the money, and then you find out basically that she, she's in an okay spot right now, but if the Empire starts poking around her finances, she's going to be in trouble because there's 400,000 credits missing or something like that. And we found out that the only way to cover this is that Tay basically set up a meeting with a basically like a, like a scoundrel named uh, Davo Skolden, who my mom was very disturbed by, and the meeting has to come at her apartment, so... It's very, I think this could be this, a nice meeting here because I know that it's going to happen because she basically was kind of forced by Tay to take it. So I think it's interesting to see this meeting play out in the next episode. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think this guy, or if he's if this is not confirmed, then I think it would make sense. But I, I think it, or, or maybe this has nothing to do with this guy. There's something I'm thinking about, and I think this guy might be involved. Yeah. Separatists were against the Republic, right? Would you agree that there are multiple separatists who are probably also rebels yep and mom Mothma was a strong member of the republic so i wonder if she's hesitant to accept these people to her cause and and I, another example and, and i know that's probably not this guy but it's similar because he's a criminal and we look at the separatists as criminals based on us you know they they portray the republic as the good guys in the movies yep so she's gonna have to start working with people she doesn't want to, and I think that's what else, that's what's gonna light the fire under her to actually get this thing moving. 
Yep, absolutely here. Let's go to the Cassian storyline here. It's the last part of the episode here. One of the bigger chunks here. We spent a lot of time in the prison with Cassian here. And P, I thought this was probably like, I mean, apart from Dedra being like a complete sociopath, like this is the best stuff in the episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is where a lot of the, I mean, there was tension with, with Mom Mothma, but I think the tension that we see building to hopefully a, a finale of sorts, you know, the having only three episodes left kind of makes me feel like we're leading up and this is going to be the last arc uh, to the show or, or one of the last main things that's going to happen. Um, and then like maybe the last episode of the season is going to be a, a, a lead into the next season. Um, they did this really well. This was a very, very good story building and, and a very, very good tension building episode when it comes to Cassian's character. A lot of stuff happens and we'll get into it. But you're right. I think this is the best stuff other than the Dedra stuff for this uh, episode. Yeah. And Kevin, we see like uh, he's working with his team. We see our old, our old guy, the squid games, like old guy, basically he's struggling along. They're trying to help him out. But while this is going on, we see the Cassie, you know, is observing things, talking about the other inmates saying like, Hey, like how many guards are there? Like, you know, like, like they only have so many weapons, like what happens to the law with the rails? Because it's not magnetized. So, I see that Cassian is actively thinking about escape, opposed to some of the other guys are sort of content to try and serve his ends out and get released. Yeah, I mean, I was getting a lot of prison theme films today when I was watching these scenes in particular. Um, it's like Olaf gave me more so like the the Brooks feel from the movie Shawshank Redemption. Just this older character that's just out of pace of everybody. But I can see where you were getting the Squid Games references. Yeah. Uh, and also the, the, the movie... Uh, Alcatraz, the Clint Eastwood movie, like him going to the bathroom and, and breaking down that panel to to carve out that that pipe or whatever that he's trying to choose. I'm assuming it's some kind of power pipe leading to the floor or something like that. Um, so I'm getting a lot of different uh, prison themed films. But uh, no, Squid Squid Game. Actually, I didn't think of Squid Game when you when you saw poor Olaf trying to manufacture all that stuff. Yeah, I saw like the 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 main team. How, how the old guy was always sort of just on that team, and, he, and then like yeah. trying to help him out. And- I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I won't spoil because these guys haven't seen the full Squid Game yet, but like, I don't think that we're going to have the same story arc for this guy as we did for uh, no. the other old guy. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Nick, we do see also, I remember you talked last week about the whole the signaling through the windows thing to each other, and then this is fun because we do see that like one group trying to frankly signal to the other group, like something happened on level two, and we don't know what happened on level two, and there's rumors going on something went wrong here, and... I thought this was very tense, a very fun, like sort of through line thread through the episode, like what happened on level two. Yeah, so you guys had said that, that this was the best part of the episode besides the Deidre stuff. To me, this was the best part of the episode by by a long shot, including the Deidre stuff. I, I thought this was really, really, really interesting and really well done. First off, right before they're signaling to each other, power went out. Which, which implies that they were using an enormous amount of power for something to do something. Then we hear the rumors and what happened. They're talking in sign language. I'm not going to say it yet because I want to see if somebody else says it first. We get by the time we get to the end to our LVPs, MVPs around that spot. But I think I know what's going on in that prison, but we'll get there. If someone brings it up, then I will jump in and say, yes, that's what I was talking about. But um. I think this is a fantastic part of the episode. We see in front of our eyes these people, or what, what is the character of um, Andy Serkis' name? Uh, Lino Coy, I think is his name. We see his opinion change right in front of our eyes. We see 
a sudden realization of doom. We see the Empire being the Empire. We see, I think this is a fantastic, fantastic prison setup. And I think it's awesome. I think it's a great scene. And I I, I really have no clue. How, to, how claustrophobic does it feel? I feel very. Yeah, I, and and I am claustrophobic. I, I was actually thinking that watching. I was like, I don't know if I'd survive in there. But um, I'm very curious because you know they're getting out. I'm the man, at least Cassian. So, and the other guy, the one from Rogue One. So um, I'm curious how they do this. I'm very curious. Yeah, well, Cassian's trying to collect information on this because he notices like, hey, like, like, they, they don't care. They don't need to worry about us because we're expendable. And he's kind of putting his head like, oh, like the guy's upstairs and like no longer with us. So he basically is like, reach out to Lino while Lino's eating his like prison Chinese food over on the side there. He's basically like going along saying like, hey, how many guards are there? And Lino's like, shut up. Like, we just want to serve our time and get out of here. And, he's, and Cassie's like, nobody's listening, which is the episode title here. He's like, they don't care about us. We can say whatever the hell we want because they know they're not, they, they don't think we can get out of this prison. So I thought this is, again, very good perception by Cassie and Pete. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it comes out later on and, and uh, that no one does leave, right? This is just kind of what it is. Um, it's a interesting take, right? You think the Empire is listening because they want to punish you, but you also have to take into account that they're working for the Empire, so they probably don't care what you're saying as long as you're getting the work done. Um, so it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic, and I think Cassian's right, and I think I don't think Cassian does anything to change the main guy's mind, the floor manager's mind, but I think it 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 plants the seed for when the the bigger stuff happens. He's like, yeah, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how many guards are on the floor. Yeah, we do see some of this also, and Kevin, we do see a lot of this te- of Cassian's table working together well. Cassian's trying to help uh, old Olaf out, and like he's switching spots at time. He's trying to make sure the job gets done. They're trying to like win the day and like get the best food. And then we see at one point that I think like. One of the tables loses, and then they basically get like fried to death. From what am I reading that wrong, or like this at least heavily tortured? I think they're halfway tortured. They're punished. I think that they do it in a in a, an amount that'll tell you, you know, work more or harder or faster tomorrow, and you won't get you won't get shocked. Um, but I, I'd say if if uh, if they if they if Cassian's table had lost, poor Olaf probably would have died. You know, a little bit faster. He would die about ten minutes earlier. Yeah, about 10 minutes earlier, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we see at the end, like, that he's really struggling. His hands are shaking. Like, when the Empire, like, prison guard comes in, they have to stick their hands on their heads. He can't do it. They have to hide him. And then, Nick, they're sort of wandering through here that he ends up collapsing. They call for a doctor. We find out that a fellow prisoner is a doctor that they bring in, and he ends up basically, like, uh, euthanizing uh, Olaf because Kino is, Kino is saying, like, hey, let's try and save him. We only have 40, 40 shifts left. You have been out of here. And then the guy's like, hey, like, just whispers to him, like, nobody gets out of here. Like, everybody on floor two, like, do- like was killed because they were trying to stir up trouble here. So, a lot, like, they basically tell you the deep, dirt, dirt secrets, like, the Empire has no intention of releasing anybody, especially after the Aldani heist. They're just going to work these people to death. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to say why, because I, I gave everyone a chance to speak and no one said it yet. You guys may have picked up on it. I don't know. To me, it's very clear they're building the Death Star. Yeah. And that's why they're not letting any prisoners go because the word gets out about what they're doing. It looks bad on the emperor. And that's why they're killing everybody off. No, everyone comes in. And that's why most of these people are not even criminals. They're just getting workers for free. They're building parts of the Death Star and they're killing them. And it's very dark. 
Yeah, it's like basically the perfect like the system. It says you're getting free labor. You're not like you're not paying these guys. You're barely like keeping them alive. And then when they're not useless, they're use when their uh, usefulness runs out, you kill them. Yeah, and we know from episode four, from the the round table scene with um, Tarkin, Vader, and all them, the Senate and nobody else is aware of the Death Star, meaning it is supposed to be kept under wraps, and it has been kept under wraps. And how do you do that by having a secret facility like this? That no one even knows exists. No one knows anyone who goes there. No one knows what happens to them. They just all die in prison. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, Pete, what do you think of that theory? Yeah, no, I think it's great. And I just I want to add to it. It actually makes the lengthening of the sentences after that whole Aldani thing make even more sense. I think the Emperor saw this opportunity to go, all right, someone attacked us. Now I'm going to make everything longer. And now we get to keep these people even longer to keep working. Um, the only thing that not to say bothers me about the theory is that why are they limiting the floors uh, to how many people are working on it? Why haven't they made more stations for them to do more work to hold more prisoners? Um, granted, the lengthening of sentences will definitely help with that because then you have people continuously doing it. Um, but you would think that maybe they would expand if they knew they were going to get more prisoners and just get free labor. But I mean, I think the theory is sound. I think Nick is totally right. And I think the, the, the release of power that you see was either them killing everyone on floor two and using all the electricity in the building to do it um, or testing the Death Star mechanics at some point to see how, how, how it would work. To build on your, on your point, though, I think they are like, yeah, this might, it's probably just one facility. They probably have like about like 700 of these around the galaxy. They probably just, you know, let's sure. everybody yeah, yeah. That's definitely a, a That's definitely a great point. There's probably tons of them. Yeah, and Kevin, I also think is it in terms of one other thing I thought here, like for prison food, the the Chinese that like like uh Aquino Boy was eating didn't actually look too bad. Uh, I wasn't actually I didn't pay attention to it to be honest, Mike. I, I was actually more. Do you know what I like about their cells is the aesthetics of everything. Like yeah. the, the the prison plate folds like I don't know. I work in construction, so I, I seeing something like that where a prison plate kind of clicks into a wall yeah. <laughs> and like you can get food delivered via a hose. It's pretty impressive. So I didn't actually look at the food. Yeah. Nick, did you catch the food? No, I did not. Yeah. Oh, I was something I guess I, know. I must've been hungry. When I was watching the episode, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway. I, it's hard for me to think about food at five 30 in the morning. Yeah, that's, that's true. I watched it about six o'clock at night. So like, okay. That's probably why I was, I was about to eat dinner right after. So I was probably, I was hungry, but anyway, we'll put a pin in that here. And Nick, we do end the episode here on a satisfying point where after Olaf is killed and they just leave him there, we see that when they're leaving, Lino Koi tells Cassian there's 12 guards at all times on every level. So the information, he has finally seen the light that we have to get out of here. We can't just hope that they're going to let us out when the sentences are up. Yep. I think it's known that no one gets out of here. And now we're going to start seeing the plan come together. Yeah. When people get out, because we know they do, that there's some sort of prison break here, whether it's, Two people who get out or a hundred or whatever. We don't know how many get out. We're going to see some people start to take some action because they know what's going on. They they probably don't know what they're building, but, but they do know they're building something. And they're like, hey, you know, we're, we're, you know, they were torturing us. They weren't going to let us out, this and that. And they're going to start, they're going to look for their local rebel cell. And then eventually, if we see in rebels, they'll all come together. And this is how it all started. The whole war. That is a well star. We'll put a pin in that one here. I think that's a good place to stop the episode here. Let's start doing our uh, character, tr our weekly trackers here. We'll start off with our character draft, which again, we are through nine weeks of the season. 
nine of the 12 episodes are through and still no action here on this board. So reset here. My team is Bail Organa, C-3PO, and Director Krennic. Nick has Palpatine, who we missed at the Senate again. This being must have been, you know, hanging out in his office. General Draven and Ahsoka. Pete has Jenner, so Harrison Dula and Agent Callus. But, Kevin, I do think there's a chance this board gets updated next week. Why? Kevin, I think you're muted. All right. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, Bill Organa is pretty interesting. Um, I don't know about Palpatine. I don't know about Ahsoka. Jin Erso, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you see, I uh, I like the Bail Organa's character. Um, he's been in a lot of things, and his name is escaping escaping me right now. Jimmy Smith. Um, so um, either I like Bail Organa, or even Krennic would be great to see too, because I thought he was a decent character, especially as Nick mentioned the Death Star. Because when I saw them making manufacturing those parts, I didn't even think of the death star i was automatically thinking it was parts for like at ats or atsts or or something like big machine not not so much a, a death star so it would be it cool to be. see orson krennic or bail organa show up i have a proposal yes for for the sky guys and kevin your opinion is welcome if we have this draft end in zero zero <laughs> zero i vote that we keep the exact same teams and move to season two I think we should add. We should be able to add one person for season two. Fair, fine, fair. Yeah, I do I think that's an option here. And I will say, in terms of my theory here, at the end of the ISB meeting, Partagras says I have to go talk to the military development team. And you know who runs that military development team, Pete? I don't care. I want Agent Callus. We got to see him though. <laughs> if it was about mentions, I'd be winning this thing like seven nothing. Yeah, yeah. I said I think there's a chance that you know if he goes and actually physically meets Director Krennic. I, I think Asian Calix is on Ferrix right now. Yeah. And he hasn't been identified as such. You think he's the guy oh. who got the, got the jollies from Hanging Pod? I, I wait, what? <laughs> There's the, the guy, who, the, the other, the other guy who worked with Bix, they were, there was like one Imperial. There was like, Oh, what? I want to hang this guy. And dad was like, cool, do that. And like, you're saying that's Callus. The, the, the guy, the guy who is, is like, Almost telling Dedra what to do as well. Yeah. Almost like he has some authority. I think that might be him, and they're just not saying it. All right. So we'll put that, put a pin in that one here. And that's the character draft. Maybe, maybe next week we'll get one of these guys to show up here. I don't think at this point, I think it's either Krennic or Cal's like the most likely character to show up at this point. I think we've already had our chance at Palpatine up here. Maybe a finale cameo. That's, that's what I'm holding out hope on. That's about it. All right. So next up here, let's get to our weekly trackers here. Hondo Onaka, 18 appearances, is not going to be in this show. And Kevin, I do think somebody who's seen the Clone Wars and stuff, like, I think Hondo showing up in this show is just he's so out of place to what's going on with the rest of it. Yeah, it, it would be kind of out of place. There's a lot of the, this show in particular. I think that it's like they're, they'll they'll mention stuff. Like, I was surprised that the, that Saw Gerrera was actually brought in, like Forrest Whitaker, in last week's episode. I didn't think that they were going to go. I mean, it's not, it's not, a, that's, that's not fair to say that too at the same time because he was in Rogue One. But uh, I don't know. Anyone outside of the, the, the characters that they're developing right now, it, it's probably going to be very, 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 very small roles. I mean, there are so many characters in the show. It's, it's from, from beginning, from the first episode to now, there's been so many different personalities, so many different characters, so many different responsibilities. I mean, the ISB alone had a, a little, like tiff going on and there was you know there's still two other guys that are hanging out 
still towards you know, I don't know there's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it kind of remind you of Game of Thrones, Pete? What do you what do you where are you on that Game of Thrones? Yeah, Pete. I don't know Pete? if you heard. There it goes. Sorry, I for some reason the unmute button wasn't showing up on my. Did uh, you finish or you're closer? I I have like one or two episodes left of of season seven. So, okay, so so uh, but you were, I think we talked about this last week. There's so many different stories and characters who are not connected. We had Karn, Cassie, and um Luthen. Bix. Yeah. Who was that? Luthen. Luthen, Dedra, Mon Mothman. We're starting to see some of these things come together with today or today or this morning or whatever. This at today uh this week's episode with with Deidre and Bix coming together. Karn's involved now. I think we're going to start seeing it more and more and more. And eventually, by maybe by the season's end, we're going to see everyone come together, which is the same thing you see in Game of Thrones. All right. So that's also, Johnny Depp as, as Hondo. What do you think? I want to sign for Jude Law, but Johnny Depp will be fun. Have you seen Johnny Depp lately? He doesn't look too good. I don't blame him for not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go on here. The anime cameo still at one after Saul Guerrero appeared last week. P. I feel like he's going to be back soon. I think we need to have another Saw appearance. I think we need another badass monologue from him or something because I was so excited about his character when he when he showed, and then I, I just want more. Um, he may play a much more major role in season two because of the time period that it's going to be right. Um, but I'm 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 hoping I'm hoping for more Saw Guerrero. Absolutely here and Nick, we actually updated the live action cameos again. Let's see because our buddy Mel she's still in the prison with Cassie, and so we're up to five now. Good. Very good. Yeah, Bruce guy is going to keep ticking this up as long as he's as long as we're stuck in the prison. So that's. Another, I would imagine he'd yeah. be part of the break, right? Yeah, he's got to be in the break. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, absolutely. Here, Planet Tracker, Kevin. We're still on nine planets total for the season. Now we have to say number of planets as we have episodes. So we've been hopping around the galaxy a little bit. Yeah, we're jumping around all, all, everywhere. I mean, it's great to see you know stuff that's more than just Tatooine all the time, or you know, the planets that we're familiar with. We're we're actually seeing other areas of the Galactic Empire, uh, and it's 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 cool because it's it's giving people a look into other areas of Star Wars than more than what they're what they're familiar with. It's not just all just desert sand planets with two suns, binary star yeah. systems. Like it's it's like they're referencing uh, planets that like Shandrilla, uh, where Mon Mothma is from. Like I don't think you really hear that in. The f- episodes four, five, or or six, or you know, uh, but I, I I might be wrong. I I love seeing more more planets and more species and, and more uh, world building, but not 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 but ca- like carefully done, yep. tastefully done. That's for sure. Here, Pete. Once again, no classic line. I think we're gonna ban this tracker after the season. I don't think it's gonna carry over to season two. It might. I mean, like Nick has been saying every week, I feel like the Wilhelm scream is probably the only thing that we have a chance for. Uh, During the prison break. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, that's all I can think of right now. Have we actually seen any stormtroopers in that prison? I've only seen actual, like, just guards in the black black suits. No, I don't don't think we will. I don't think stormtroopers are going to be very prevalent in this show. If they are, it might be at the end. I mean, there's still... I don't know if you guys remember this, but in the trailer, I feel like he was dressed up as a stormtrooper. So I don't know if that's part of the prison break or something else. We will see on that one here. And last but not least here, the Andor kill count still at four. And Nick, once this prison break happens, you figure it's going to go up. Yeah, I would say at least three in that break, probably maybe more. So 
We will see. We will see here. Well, let's go now to our MVP and LVP section here where we grade the best and worst characters of the episode. So we're going to go ahead and pop down the screen for the YouTube audience. Cassie Andor, the top dog, at plus five. Luthen, plus four in second. Tie for third between Cinta and Mon Mott by plus three. Lieutenant Gorin, Saw Guerrero, plus two. The plus ones are Marva Andor, Nemec, Dedra, and the Empire from me last week for their effective prisoning policy. Bix is still at zero level that year. The negative ones, the two Stooges that Cassian kills in the first episode, Gorn's lackeys, Vel and Skeen. The, the, the four at negative two are Tim with two M's, one for each M in his name, Perrin, Lita, and Covenant Bihaz. Negative three for Lieutenant Ble for Blevin at ISB, and negative eight for Bureau of Standards employee Karn. So that's the current standings here. So, Nick, you want to start us out here on the MVPs. Give us your MVP of the episode. Sure. My MVP of the episode is the Galactic Empire. Another point for the Empire. Yeah, for their brilliant idea of having, the, which I went over earlier, of having these prisoners who are not even really criminals, but just prisoners, build their, if it's not the Death Star, it's something. It could be a, you know, a Star Destroyer, AT-AT, ATST, whatever. They're building their military equipment for them, for free labor, and then killing them. So, I mean, it's, it's dark. Don't get me wrong. It's dark as hell, but it it is brilliant. Uh, Kevin, who's your MVP of the week? I really, really like Dedra. I, her character this week was what pulled me into her, to be honest, because the beginning of these past few episodes, I saw her more as like a, a careerist and I, I thought her didn't think much of her beyond that. But now that I see that she's ever since Major Partigas gave her the go-ahead or the green light to pursue everything that she needs to do, um, I think she was definitely the MVP. It's messed up to say, but she she was very good I'm gonna uh, my, this episode. Yeah, I'm going to get by to Cassian this week, and I feel like Cassian in the prison is really on his game this week. I mean, he's trying to help out Olaf, trying to help him, you know, get the win this week so he can get better food. He's working out, trying to keep an eye on the prison and trying to figure out how to, to escape. He's correctly deduced the Empire is not listening to them. He doesn't really care about them. And he convinces Lino Coy at the end of the episode to give him the information he needs to start playing escape. So good week for Cassie. I'm going to give him the MVP points and train the wrong direction because he's starting to start head back up here. So, Pete, you want to close us out in the MVP section? The doctor. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll... Uh... MVP, I'm, I'm going to have to give to Dedra. Um, I agree with Nick about the Empire, about that overall, just the plan. You can see how smart they're being. Well, smart and stupid at the same time. Um, but Dedra's character has has literally flip-flopped like a, 180 degrees when it comes to like likability right like i like the character but not for that way i like her because now she's like the evil one it's like we were root like nick was saying earlier in the show uh we were rooting for this character and now we're like whoa 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 whoa, hang on back it up here you're uh you're being a real ass right now i don't like this um so it's uh i think the character was phenomenally written and phenomenally done and i think it was in, the, in a smart way and i think the flip-flop was not uh non-organic right it was it was it worked very well so giving her the mvp all right let's go the other way now the lvps kevin as the guest you can go first here who was the worst character of the week uh karn <laughs> i'm sorry i just 
not not for anything else. It's just it's he's such a hard character to like. Yeah. Um, that that that's really it. I, I can't. I, everyone else like everyone else played really really well, but he is just not good. Yeah. For the third time this season, I'm giving Karn an LVP point because <laughs> this dude has earned it again. I mean, the, the way he talks to his mother is very is very very bad, and his mother's trying to look out for his best interests, and then. The whole interaction with Dedra is very, very creepy, stalkerish, like little unhinged serial killery. Credit to the actor for portraying it so well. This character sucks. So LVP point for Karn here. Pete, you want to go next? I'm not going Karn. There's two that I was kind of on the fence about. I think I'm going to give Bix the honorable mention. Okay. Uh, not to say that the torturing method they're using is not harmful, but like. I can't understand how hearing sounds of anything is going to torture you. I mean, you can watch a movie with people getting killed in it and hear it, and no one's like, oh, my God, I got to tell my secrets. Uh, I, unless I, I'm, I believe that uh, Dedra said they edited the sound and enhanced it to make it more horrifying. Sure, but, I mean, again, it's just sounds. I, I, I'm not experiencing it, so it's hard for me to explain why I think it is not torture. But anyway... I think the actual LVP for me, and I can't remember his name, is the floor manager. Um, uh, Kylo? Yeah, he's or, an idiot. He or, thinks that this empire is just, and it's like, I'm just going to do my time and I'll be out. Like, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know why it, it takes you this long to figure this out after how long your sentence was. Uh, I, I give him the LVP for just being oblivious and, and honestly aiding in the empire's I mean, he's he's technically helping the empire, right? He's helping the empire make sure they're productive. He's like, I've been the top floor because I want to get out, but really, you're indirectly helping the empire a lot here, and you think you're going to get out, but you're not. Yeah, so he's just for being a dummy, being a, just a dumbass. Okay, Nick, your LVP. Let me give it to Martha's Martha's husband, uh, Perrin. Yep. And for two reasons, one is he is sitting down with him having lunch, and he's telling. Um, uh, Vel, well, when are you going to find a husband? And we clearly know that she's not interested in men, so it's either she she could easily be hiding that from her family if they don't know that, or she has no idea who he's even talking to. And to me, that's like, how do you not know your own family? And then second is that he says he hates politics. Meanwhile, he lives in a looks like a penthouse suite in Coruscant because his wife is in politics. So everything that he has, he's not grateful for. He's also a senator, too. Yeah. <laughs> So everything that he, no, actually, I don't think he is a senator. She said he. I mean, he said episode three. He, they were both senators. No, he is a what they call a consort, which is the spouse reigning of a monarch. So yeah. he's not actually a senator. He's involved only because she's involved. If that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, everything that he has is because of politics in his life. And he says he hates politics. That's like, he, he, I just feel like he's completely ungrateful. Nick, I will point out, Perrin was on my list until Karn's interaction with Dedra. Pedro's, Perrin was going to be my LVP until that scene. Then I flip-flopped it. Yeah, I mean, that looks like, I mean, you pick a planet in the Star Wars world that you want to live on. You got Coruscant's up there. I, I would like to live on Naboo. Very pretty. Alderaan's pretty know. nice. Alderaan's was pretty nice as well. So was the planet that, and that wasn't really nice, but it seemed cool. The planet that Cassian was on right before he got arrested, like that that Vice City oh, look. Space Miami's Nick Delasio said. It, it, looked, it looked pretty cool, but like maybe the a, a little slummy, but maybe the nice parts are cool. But maybe Coruscant is your answer. And then uh, the penthouse suite 
in Coruscant. You're living in like the number one spot to live in in the galaxy, and you're trusted by the Empire. So you're not in danger. Everybody else is in danger, and he's not grateful for it. All right, so let's now go to the grades here. We're going to grade episodes on a scale of 1 to 10. Number one, like uh, 10 is the pinnacle of Star Wars live-action entertainment. 1 is worse than the 1978 holiday special. So that's the way the scale is going to go here. I'll start us off here and give this episode an 8. I feel like this is a very good episode. I feel like everything is sort of clicking here. The prison stuff is great. Dedra is great. Mon Mothma is kind of amp, but like this stuff here, it gets docked two full points for the Karn stuff because the Karn stuff really just drags the, the rest of it down because I know we're, we're getting shoved in our face because it's important to the storyline down the road, but his stuff really sort of lacks behind the other three. So that's why it's an eight for me. Pete, how about you? I'm going to stay true to last week and give it a 7.5. Um, still think it's a very good episode. Um, I think it could be a good amount better, but I, I think it could be a hell of a lot worse. Um, so um, 7.5. Still very, very high quality. We're building up to something. I'm just hoping, again, we have a payoff to that buildup. Uh, Nick, you're great. I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I liked uh, the episode a lot. I think it's building to something. And, and there's something with this show that, like, maybe it's that I watch at a ridiculous hour. But when I watch these episodes at 530 and I'm done and it's like 615 or whatever, I'm like, that sucked. And then as the day goes on, I'm like, oh, I like it. I actually love it. And then we get on here and I start talking about how much I like the episode. Maybe I just, maybe that's a good thing that it grows on me. Maybe it's a bad thing that I watch it and don't like it when I'm watching it, but I don't know. Yeah, it takes time for, for the plot points to marry your brain. Maybe. Yeah. All right, Kevin, you're great. I'm between this, uh, like a, a seven and an eight. So I guess seven. I didn't know we could do it in half. So I, w- I would agree with Pete. So I'm probably going to go seven and a half. Um, there was a, I don't know if you guys, there was one callback in this episode that I really, really liked uh, was after uh, Dedra was in a meeting. I think it was in episode five and major Petter, uh, uh, the major at escorted her out and, and told her to watch her back. And then all of a sudden in this episode, her adjutant that, that her assistant um, uh, briefed the major as well, came up from behind her and gave him all the information regarding clean shaven rebels. And then, you know, when she returns back to her office after the 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 incident with Cyril, um, with Karn, you know, the, he had already, you know, sent the doctor off to intercept the, the rebel pilot. And she, you know, maybe she's getting caught up with stuff and not being able to catch up. But um, I, I really, really like that that little callback. So I, and I really love the whole episode. So uh, seven and a half. All right. There we go. That's on the board here. Last up here. Predictions. What happens next week? Pete, you can lead us off. Dedra and Karn go on a date. <laughs> Dinner at my mama's? God. You know, <laughs> these dinners have been lackluster. I mean, I, I hate to be there. I hate to be there and hate to say it, but it's just, it's just, just, they have not been to what we thought, right? Um, I, I'm going to say next week we are going to get an attempted prison break, but it's not going to work out. Um, I think with three more episodes, them to have a big scene happen now and then leave two episodes to have nothing. I feel like the last two episodes are going to be the bigger, bigger episodes to end off the season. So I think we're going to have a failed prison attempt or at least a lot of the planning behind it. Um, I think Mon Mothma is going to meet that person that she does not like. Um, and we may meet someone because of that, that we know from Star Wars uh canon so dinner with with dinner with davo 
dinner with Davo. Davo's going to have a friend. That friend is going to be Busk. No, uh, just a friend <laughs> that's going to be uh, that's uh, that we probably know or or something along the lines of oh, they were they were involved in canon that we have talked about prior. Nick, you stole your wine there. Uh, yeah. So what do I do for your prediction this week? So I think that Mon Mothma will have the meeting. And I think Bosk will be there. And um, she'll meet with the, with Davos, Davos Seaworth. And I believe that the prison break will be successful. And I think they'll do something else with those last two. I, I do agree. I do like Pete's point, though. It's a little squished, a little much. I agree. But I think they'll get it done. And to Pete's point, he says we may meet a familiar character. I think um, that character will be Saw. So Saw returns. I think Saw will be involved and that he'll meet Cassie in there. All right, Kevin, your prediction for next week. Um, I feel like there's a character hiding in plain sight in terms of their intentions. And I will probably see like something progressing with the prison break. Maybe they they figure out the whole elevator system or the, how the, you know, not how to make contact with the floor. Um, but I, I feel like someone like Perrin or someone like the major, someone is not portraying themselves as the way we think. So I think there might be a minor reveal of someone major as part of a grand, you know, a, maybe part of the rebel alliance or maybe someone within the rebel group who might be a double agent. Um, I, I don't know. I think we're, we might see a bit uh, like a slight reveal of someone's cards next week, whether it's Perrin or the major. So, so Kevin's on mobile patrol next week. Yeah. All right. I'm up here for my last thing here. I think we could have another, I think we are going to get the Luthan and saw re, like our second conversation. I think we're due for that because we didn't get this episode. I think that, Maybe they're off in the corners, like sort of like discussing with their party what they want to do, and they come back and have this conversation. I think we're going to have the planning of the prison break. I think that's going to be what's happening this week. So we're going to have a little bit more of a time jump where they're sort of like working out all the kinks of this plan because they probably only have one shot to pull off successfully. It's going to be a lot of planning work and discussions between like our floor supervisor, Bruce Scott, uh, Cassie, and all the other guys on how to get out of there. I think that's going to go on here. I'm also going to say here, I think we get uh, a meeting at the ISB between Major Partigras and Krennic. I think that's going to be my other call for the week. Let's see. Yes, yeah, so as, as Nick brings Bosk every week, I bring Krennic every week. That's our that's that's our uh, prediction partners every week. So I bring in Bosk. Like, Hondo, I actually believe one day. One day we'll see Hondo. We all agree on that. I don't, not in this show. But one day we'll see him. Do you think we'll ever see Bosk again? I'm going to say no. Book of Boba Fett too. <laughs> I would have thought I thought Boba Fett won and he wasn't there. The Mandalorian. Boba Fett one was only there to tie in what we were missing for Mandalorian season three that we needed. It was the only reason why Book of Boba Fett one's there to introduce Boba Fett and that character in that timeline and say, well, not introduce, but like continue that introduction right from from Mandalorian, but also clear up some plot points from Mandalorian season three that we would have not known if we didn't see it. The only reason I also Mark- forgot, I also forgot a bad prison big reference in my thing. I said the, they're going to tattoo the plans to get out of the prison on uh, Mel, on Melshi's body. Oh, it's not a bad one. Yeah. Cause that's how Bruce Scott gets out of here. And he's involved with the rebels. 
And with that, I want to end the show here. A lot of fun this week. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. If you want to keep up with your social media, how do they do that? Um, you can catch me on Castro Photo uh, on Instagram or CastroPhoto.com to see my Ash Photography series that I, that I, that I partake in. A lot of fun stuff, Kevin. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Pete, people want to follow you on social media. How can they do that? At PJ Considori 29 um, Just tweeting out this stuff, some Star Wars stuff, some hockey stuff. Yeah, other than that. Follow me on Twitter. All right, Nick. People I follow you on social media. How can they do that? Uh, they don't. They follow at Sky Guys Podcast. Follow us. Yeah. I don't need the follower, and I'm not tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's going on, Nick. Follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. It's M P H I L I P S 331. Coming up this week, just on the summary podcast, two episodes out already on, on the feed here. We're going one I recommend to everybody here Halloween Pop Culture Party 3. We talked the peripheral with John Stanko. We did. Some Midnight Club with Alan Austin. We did the Marvel special Werewolf by Night with Santa Rosa, our pop culture correspondent. A lot of podcasts out in the feed. I recommend that one if you like this podcast. So check that out as well. Until next week, guys. Until we are back for episode 10 of Andor. Only three more left here. May the force be with you. <laughs>